I'm Danielle Laporte, and essentially, this is a one-woman show about self-realization called With Love, Danielle. I'll be talking about compassion, self-help fatigue, sex, joy, serving the world. This is about a spirituality that's way more rock and roll than it is oppressive. I am not into making grand motivational promises, but I can commit to showing up as fully, sincerely, authentically as possible with the intention of really alleviating suffering and amplifying joy just for starters. It's about doing everything I can to help all of us feel a little less crazy, a lot more full of possibility, and clearly part of the solution. Hello, my friends. One of my most popular posts ever, unfortunately. (laughs) Don't make me regret this. Unfortunately, it was about 15 tips for public speaking (laughs) that you could also apply to your work in the world and showing up for your team and in community. And okay, it's really useful stuff. It's fun stuff. I these days mostly want to talk about divine love and compassion and dissolving polarity and heart-centered leadership. But this stuff is useful, so let's do it, shall we? Okay, before we get into it, let's talk about application. So these things that I've learned from being on stage, haven't been on stage in my high heels in quite some time, they apply to working with your teammates. It applies to doing a Zoom meeting. It applies to podcasting. It applies to being a heart-centered leader, a facilitator, a coach, a teacher, an instructor, an educator, a yoga, all of it. All right. This is how it's worked for me. You take what you want, you leave the rest. Principle number one, I believe that gratitude is always the best place to begin. There are two expressions of gratitude that I like to offer. One is a very sacred form, which is when I begin most of my classes or lectures or talks now, whether that's a webinar or in person, I often begin with the acknowledgement of the land that I am working on. So I acknowledge today that I live and work on the unceded territory of the Coast Salish Nations people, also known as Vancouver. So sacred note. And then we move into the sacred expression of gratitude. Now, I was advised a long time ago when I was working with a speaking coach, and I love, love, love her. If you want to work with Gail Larson, G-A-I-L-L-A-R-S-E-N, we'll leave a link to her in the show notes. She's an incredible speaking coach, and she really helped foster my sincerity and my freedom of expression and how I show up. But she gave me one thing that I didn't agree with, which was never begin with gratitude because it's boring. (laughs) And sometimes it is, but a lot of the times it isn't. So I always like to thank the host. I thank the audience for the mountains that they moved to show up. They found parking. They got babysitters. They have the technology to be able to tune in. They carved out the space to give their attention to healing. I'm grateful to be here. Okay, so I love gratitude as a beginning. Let's talk about preparation. Memorization. Your slides. How much you have rehearsed. 
I think being prepared is an act of love. But I am not for being overprepared. So my experience is things don't work for me when I rehearse them. I don't like to rehearse things. I get really cranky when we have to rehearse things. I'm totally down with doing a dry tech run. Okay, I'm going to say this. I'm going to open with this. And then you cue the screen and then that. And then we got it right. Everything working. Click, click. Okay, I'm good with that. If I do a dry run in my living room of pacing across my carpet as if I am on stage, it just creates anxiety for me. I want to be present. I want to be able to feel what's happening in the room, in the Zoom. And I can't do that if my, now this might not be the way it works for you, but if my ego mind is focused on hitting all the notes and memorizing it and being perfect and not messing up. So wanting to be perfect distracts me from my presence, which is why I don't memorize what I'm going to say. Even for my podcast, I just have a few points written down and then most of everything is, most of my life is flow. Now, having said that, back to my original point, which is being prepared is an act of love and of intelligence. I always know how I'm going to begin. I know the one or two stories that I really want to tell that support my point, my teaching, my offering. And I always, always know how I want to end. And then I relax and I give her. Now, if you have a different need and you want to be more structured, this is the beauty of slides. The functions of slides is to cue your memory to your stories and your points. And then it also helps people who are visual learners to kind of go along the journey with you. Lead with your best stuff. Open with your most compelling theory, your most poetic one-liner. This is why I often begin a talk with some spoken word. I really just want to lay out that depth and that beauty and that cadence, really that poetic energy to begin with, help people get still. And I'm not saying you open everything with a poem, but for me, that's my expression of leading with my best. You know, you want to make an entrance. Don't be cheesy unless you're cheesy. If you're cheesy, be you. If you're not cheesy, don't be cheesy. You put forth your big point, your thesis right away. Lay it down. Do not make people wait to see you shine. Just get them. Get them from the get-go with your light. You should know who you're talking to. Know who you're talking to. Once upon a time, I was giving a talk with a co-presenter to a group of underprivileged, struggling single moms. And my co-presenter talked about shopping at Tiffany's and Bergdorf Goodman. And I wanted to crawl under the skirted boardroom table and die. And it became a little bit ugly. Uh, People in the audience let us know that was not cool. And we knew who we were talking to going in, but we didn't ground into it. And this is something I've seen great speakers do. Not not every great speaker, by the way, needs to specifically address the characteristics and the challenges of the audience. I have seen Maya Angelou speak. I have experienced. You don't watch her speak. You experience her. And she is not there to address that specific culture. 
She is there to bring that culture higher up with her. However, there are some speakers who I have seen go in and talk about the hockey team of that city or what they know about that company. Like they did their research, they're showing their love, puts everybody at ease. Respect. You're not always going to be addressing or engaging people with whom you feel great respect. Sometimes you're going to be there because it's a gig and you're getting paid. Sometimes you're going to be there because you want to be the change in that culture. You want to parachute in with your great big paradigm and disrupt this industry and have them be more enlightened. And I can tell you, it doesn't work. I've done it before, and I felt so remorseful when I got off stage. You've got to feel the common ground with whoever you're speaking for. You do whatever you need to do within your heart to find the reasons to love the people that you are in front of. You must actively respect your audience. There's no speaking down to anybody who has invited you onto their territory. Practical note, I'm all for being authentic, of course, always human, accessible, relatable, but never, ever, if you so choose, never admit to fatigue. I paid a lot of money, went out of my way to hear somebody speak about a book that I adored that was sweeping the nation. And one of the first things he talked about when he got on stage was his jet lag. He lost me at, I apologize for being tired. Have a glass of water, do your breathing exercises and your jumping jacks ahead of time. You may not be as sharp as you want to be. You may be a little bit wrinkled. Hair might be a little bit frizzy. One time I almost had to show up on stage in my Uggs and my thermal sweatshirt because my luggage didn't arrive until an hour before. I was willing to show up and not complain about that. Don't open with fatigue or complaint. You are there and you are honored to be there. You give it all you got, no matter what you got to give. As long as you are on that stage, whether it's virtual or in person, whether you're wearing flip-flops or heels, you stay in charge. Stay in the lead while you're on stage. You hold that room. That room is your responsibility. And if this starts to feel overwhelming, you can just think of it this way, that you are the mother or the father, you are the guide of the energy in this room. You are there in love to just do that. You're going to move everything with care. You got the room. You got them. So the first and last time that I was heckled, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> oh my God, it's great because now I can, it's like content for a podcast. Um, I was in a ballroom at a big schmancy hotel. I was speaking to a group of university students, business students specifically. I was leaving the stage. I'd just done my gig. And a woman who was at the back of the room, she had very obviously snuck into the room. I couldn't quite tell that at first. She raised her hand and the mic runner ran over to her. And she proceeded to tell me that I was dressed like a slob. And that I was not setting a good example to the students about personal branding. 
because I was talking to them about business development and branding. Now, by the way, the most important thing to express here is that I looked fucking amazing. Um, I had on these skinny jeans and these burgundy high heel ankle boots. And I had this big um, butterfly wing gray sweater dress. And I had a really tight high knot ponytail. It was so, I look so cute. Anyway, moving on with the less important part of this. It was clear that she wasn't part of the event. She had a lot of bags with her and looked pretty disheveled. So I assumed she had come into the hotel looking for warmth and shelter and, you know, was not quite stable and and I kindly asked her, you could hear a pin drop, it was, it was great. Um, I said, how have you come to be here tonight? And she mumbled something about wanting to be a mentor to young people. And then she just made a dash for the door. <laughs> she like escaped. She got all flustered. She left. And of course, everybody was stunned. And I said, well, now you have an example of what elegant is. And that is good branding. And I didn't even know (laughs) that was like the right thing to say, but there was no way I was going to let this sweet, wandering soul heckler have the last word. I had to like keep my composure and end on a really high note, not be too arrogant, but really own it. And I didn't really exhale till I got back into my car, but I did not let that room down in terms of mothering. I got this energy. You got to believe that people are rooting for you. Humans are good. And whoever is listening to you has that good, sweet benevolence in their heart. And you know what they want? They want the best for you. They actually want you to shine for your sake. They want you to hit it out of the park. They want you to feel good. They want this to be the best gig you ever had. They want you to be as pleased as they want to be by the content that you are delivering. Keep in your heart the knowing that people want the best for you. They're rooting for you. Well, we are here talking about being of awesome service in front of people. Let me tell you about my business circles. We started these as groups for our heart-centered leadership, and we have perfected them over the years and are now opening them up to the whole wide world. We meet once a month. It's accessibility pricing, and we go deep with a Q&A and my leadership team. So you're going to meet with myself, ND, and Renee, and maybe some special guest. We're talking about branding and building a platform and profitability and algorithms and marketing that doesn't suck all business, all heart-centered, all the time. You go to daniellelaporte.com slash business. So, so good. I'm going to save you so much money, so much time, with so much love. I think we should go easy on the apologies. I'm not a big apologizer when I'm on stage because I want to keep the energy high. I don't want to slip into like, oops, I screwed up. Although if I screw up, I say I screwed up. But, you know, elegance is always the number one concern. But I always feel like a little little twinge of like, oh, I wish you wouldn't do that. When I hear a speaker say, I'm sorry to keep you waiting, or my apologies for the technical snafu. It's like, 
listen, I'm, I'm here to hear your offering. Like, lay the content down. Don't waste my time with apologizing for the screw-up. Just carry on. So my experience is the apologies just create more of that fluster energy. It just creates more snag. So most of the time, not all of the time, but most of the time, it's just it's better to keep going. So, you know, like an ice skater doesn't apologize for slipping up. She just gets up and she keeps skating. She wants to distract you with the next great move. Keep going. This is a personal thing. I mean, it's all a personal thing. This is my podcast, but I think you should dress up. I think dressing up is love. It doesn't mean that you go out and buy the expensive suit or the dress or the shoes or the whatever. It's not about it's not about the bling. It's not about the flash. It's like the best that you have to say that I'm honored to be here. I cared enough about you to polish up. You just you wear your Sunday best. Let's talk about preparing. I used to go all Tony Robbins style and kind of like get on my metaphorical trampoline and put myself up about how great I was and how much I had to offer. And I was going to hit it out of the park. I was going to get a standing ovation. Oh my God. I had so much to give. Pump, 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 pump. That is anxiety inducing to me. Might work for you. If that works for you and that helps you be a conduit of love and wisdom, then you trampoline all you need to. What I realized was happening for me was that was a lot of my fear talking. That was me just yelling over all of my concerns. That was me pumping myself up over my worry, over my tenderness, over my insecurity, all of which comes from the unconscious subconscious self. So why don't I just go directly to the subconscious and deal with my fears and my insecurities and dissolve that and hold that in loving energy, and then I can show up without distractions. So this is what I do now. I speak to my inner child. This is counterintuitive of all that motivational pump-it-up culture. I go to my fear, and I be the mother of my fear, which, by the way, helps me be the mother of that presentation of everybody in the room. And I'll say to my inner child, put my hand on my belly, my right hand on my belly, my left hand on my heart. I say, what do you need? And maybe my subconscious, my inner child will say, I love applause. I need you to talk slowly. I want to hang out with fun people after this event. This is actually very specifically something my subconscious told me when I was going on stage for a big gig. I said, what do you you need? I want to hang out with fun people after this event. And then the fear and the concern and the worry which is so natural before you're about to go out and be strong and vulnerable at the same time in front of lots of people, whether that's three people or 3,000 people, that worry calms down. You don't need it to go away. You don't need to silence it. You don't, you don't need to bury it under your trampoline. You just need to say that you got it. It can relax. And then you're not distracted. And then you go out and you shine. So I get gentle in order that I can be more powerful. And I pray. I set the intention to be of service. I used to have a very simple three-word prayer that I would say, help us shine. Help me shine. Help the people in the audience. 
shine, help the people who brought me in. Because, you know, the people who bring you in, who hire you, they want to shine. They want everybody to know that they made a good decision by bringing you in. Just help us shine. And that's it. That, that covered me, covered the audience and the world in one fell swoop. I've also created a practice where I do all of my meditative, internal, energetic prep before I come to the call or before I come out of my hotel room, whatever the situation may be. Because what I found is that if I was going to go into like meditation mode and set my intention and like, you know, really get clear and focused and centered, I couldn't do that in the green room. I couldn't do that 5, 10, 15 minutes before I was going to go on stage because there's there's people around and they want part of you. And then did you get your mic set up and all of that? Just when when you suit up and show up, you have prayed up and you are ready for anything that happens between you leaving and between you getting on stage. A few more very like surface but fun things to consider. Ladies, ladies, let's talk about your bra. Do you know that 80% of women wear the wrong fitting bra? I speak from experience. I wore the wrong size bra until I was in my 30s. And once I got that proper lift, uplifted my whole life, you want to be properly held on stage. So go get fitted for a bra, right? Do not be afraid of false eyelashes on stage. I don't wear as much makeup as I used to on stage because I'm just more me. But, you know, I've talked to many people about photo shoots and how you can look your best on stage. And there are makeup resistant people who are like, that's not me. And I'm just like, I know that's not you, sweetheart. But, but camera is cruel. The camera actually distorts you in lots of ways. You're going to get more shadow. You're going to get more bulge. You're going to get more crease. You're going to be well rested that night, but the camera is going to make sure that it looks like you haven't slept in weeks. So just think of a little bit of gloss and a little bit of power and maybe just an extra few individual eyelash extensions just in the corners. You can learn how to put them on yourself with just a little tweezer and a little glue. Don't let it be the last thing you do before you leave your hotel room because that's just messy. Do it like as, make it be the first thing in your beauty ritual, putting on the lashes. But you want to do that to, I don't want to say combat the lighting of the stage and all the cameras. You want to do it to meet and rectify the distortion that happens in stage light. Always, always have a backup outfit. Because you do not know what's going to happen with airplanes and irons and bras and hotel laundry, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I will, if I'm traveling, I always wear something that could in a pinch with another blouse that I carry in my carry-on bag work if I was on stage. Also, it allows you to like change your mind in the morning and wear something different. It might be more casual than you expected it to be or more dressy. Gentlemen. Unless it's like your thing that you always have a five o'clock shadow, don't let it be your new thing so that you look cool on stage because you don't look suave. You kind of look like George Michael in 1991. And so shave. (laughs) If that's you, do it. 
And the pants, guys, I got the men I have seen on stage. This is the biggest mistake. Too many layers and ill-fitting pants. So unless you are Daniel Craig, who, by the way, Daniel Craig always looks great because he wears his suits just a little too tight. Uh, unless you're Daniel Craig, you got to go to a tailor and you need to have your pants properly hemmed. So we don't want to see a lot of slouch because the slouch is going to make you look shorter. And we don't want to see your socks because the socks make you look like an amateur. <laughs> just, it's worth it. You just need one pair of properly fitting pants. All right, let's get back to the deep. I believe that we are all here on the planet to heal and to help others heal. We are meant to be conduits of love wherever we go. And if you show up on any kind of stage with that intention, you're bound to create some healing for the people who have come for it. Conduit implies receptivity and unity and a back and forth. I think one of the most important things you can offer people in any kind of talk is questions. Questions that you have of them, questions that they can ask themselves when they leave the experience of being with you, questions that you have the courage and the willingness and the receptivity to take from the stage. The best speaking events, in my experience, are conversations, really, about love in all forms, where you have the willingness to show up and feel who's there, and feel into what they need from you, and to give them the service of your presence, from the hem of your pants to a bra that picks you up in all the right ways, to being prepared, to knowing how you are going to open, to the one story you need to tell to get your message across, to knowing how you are going to end, and may you always end with love. Thank you so much for listening, for feeling, for spreading the word with love.